For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, with the latest readout video from our Wednesday wake-up email newsletter, to which you should subscribe, and more on the dreaded COP28 gathering you should not have attended. Specifically, we asked last week what the point was of going to denounce fossil fuels at all. This week we ask, what's the point of doing it in a gleaming desert facility built with oil money? In fact, what could furnish a better illustration of the practical impossibility of doing what the gathered delegates all insisted was easy, but none of them could show us how to do? Heatmap Daily rather gave things away with an email entitled Climate Christmas that linked to a story that said, quote, the two weeks of COP are like Climate Christmas, end quote. Well, not to us, but to you, what exactly does that mean? Well, there's a festive atmosphere, there's food and frolics with your friends, you get stuff like that, but then you get a giant lump of coal in your stocking on the big day. It's clear to us that most activists have just retreated into wish fulfillment as emissions keep on rising. So, we also issued a challenge in the newsletter to all those gathering at COP28 wanting to get the public on side. Plan a big demonstration. No, not of the Extinction Rebellion, just stop oil kind. Rather, the sort the Manhattan contrarian has been berating them over. If you're so sure this energy transition can work on a national or global scale and be fun, exciting, cheap, easy, and great, stop with the grand pontificating and finger-pointing and show us a small-scale demonstration project. Show us just one large or even medium-sized jurisdiction that can actually run its economy on green energy. Oh, that's awkward. And speaking of demonstration projects, we also highlighted a climate researcher from the Kiel Institute for the World Economy who refused to fly back from Papua New Guinea to Germany because of the carbon footprint and instead took 50 days via ship, ferry, bus, and train, and, drumroll please, was fired for not showing up for work. This green raw deal really isn't all it was hyped as, now is it? Apparently he's now suing, without we trust using any petrochemical communication devices. We also noted in the newsletter the ongoing self-immolation of Greta Thunberg, the latest incident being her chanting, Crush Zionism, outside the Israeli embassy in Sweden. Having saved the world from climate change, she now wants to save us from... the Jews? Get lost, kid. Canary Media recently lamented that, quote, Mainers reject historic bid to make for-profit utilities publicly owned. The ballot initiative aimed to bolster Maine's energy transition, grid reliability, and affordability. Utilities fought the effort with a torrent of cash, end quote. Which again brings up the question, why must people who think CO2 is bad for the planet so dependably also think socialism is good for it? And in the newsletter, we also cited a study by the Canadian think tank Cardus, saying that Canadian women want to have more children than they actually do, and that some of them claim that climate worries had led them to limit family size. But it turns out it's not true, in that there is no measurable difference between the number of children women have who worry about climate change and the number they have who don't when it comes to what they would have liked to do. It's just that they live in a generally family-unfriendly world, if that's any consolation. Also in Canada, auditors are now trying to figure out how public servants managed to waste $8 million on a solar-powered barn at the Governor General's residence. Our guess is, lots of practice. Also, Sustainable Development Technology Canada seems to be imploding after more than two decades of throwing money at stuff and keeping a bunch for themselves. But the feds are trying to keep it quiet, as they're also trying to fend off any efforts to find out if those lavish subsidies to EV battery makers included subsidizing foreign workers. It's the usual Canadian Jedi mind trick. 
you taxpayers don't need to see that information. Also, we note that the Harvard Business Review just warned of the dark side of solar power. Get it? Dark side? Because, quote, in an industry where circularity solutions such as recycling remain woefully inadequate, the sheer volume of discarded panels will soon pose a risk of existentially damaging proportions, end quote. So, how green is my industry? Not very. And now, a word from our sponsor. And yes, again, that's you. All the people out there who are already backing our work and all the people who are subscribing. More than 84,000 of you on YouTube alone, where we've had almost 10 million views. But we need to keep up the momentum. And that's why I interrupt to pass the hat to those of you who aren't already backers and say please make a pledge, one time or monthly, $3, $5, $10, whatever you can afford so we can continue to push back against the climate cult and win this battle. And now, back to me. Also, since 2023 was the hottest year ever, and there's more where it came from as we're into the era of global boiling in the mouth of hell, or in Antonio Guterres' latest unbalanced rant, quote, we are living through climate collapse in real time and the impact is devastating, end quote, it's pretty obvious that winter is toast. After all, quote, we have given Earth a fever, end quote, according to some trendy award-winning author you never heard of. Which leaves us wondering why schools in Cornwall and Devon, in balmy, practically tropical southwest England, had to close as white stuff fell from sky. And what the heck was the Weather Network thinking, telling us, quote, Canada's first minus 40 reading, a harbinger of a frigid week to come, end quote. Don't they read UN press releases? Now here's one from Fantasyland. Canary Media laments that, quote, California's rooftop solar policy is killing its rooftop solar industry, end quote. Which... Seems odd, since it would be hard to find any politician anywhere in the world more committed to alternative energy than California Governor Gavin Newsom, and the California State Assembly currently has 62 Democrats and just 18 lonely Republicans. In the Senate, it's 32 and 8. So, why would these people stab solar in the panel? And why would it even matter when solar is, we're repeatedly told, already more than competitive with fossil fuels and gaining fast, just like wind power that inexplicably also seems to gobble ever larger subsidies without delivering the goods? See, even if the California government isn't handing out free money in buckets anymore for exporting power back to the grid, wouldn't people at least be installing it to cut their own energy bills? Or were you just making that up about it being so cheap and effective? If all this talk of real-world engineering challenges and fiscal problems is getting you down, and you're not happy with things as they are, Bloomberg has a suggestion. Get really high, man. See, apparently, quote, a psychedelics boom is minting environmentalists, end quote, and, quote, proponents of a new wave of interest in hallucinogens say the right trip at the right time can change how people think about the natural world, end quote. Or, as the late Sam Rayburn used to say in simpler times, quote, why should we sit here dumb and weak when for the price of two drinks we could be strong and smart, end quote. But, look, even if getting stoned actually can help you connect to nature, we strongly urge sobriety when you start making important practical decisions. And, speaking of the real world, in last week's ECS of the Real World entry, the authors came up with a model to estimate the minimum likely ECS. In this week's, the author comes up with the minimum model needed to estimate the most likely ECS. See, it might be tempting to keep adding features to your program and kludges because, well, partly just because you can and it's fun. 
But in pursuit of clarity and following Occam's razor about not needlessly multiplying entities and trying to avoid a Frankenstein's monster model that lurches about with terrifying power doing things you can't understand, there is something to be said for creating the simplest possible model that you can, making the fewest possible assumptions that are compatible with a plausible simulation, assuming you care about that, which some modelers don't seem to. In this case, the author, Craig Lola, published his work in the journal Ecological Modeling, and his unconventional approach was simply to take the surface temperature record, estimate the influence of natural climate oscillations, and assume that whatever trend is left over is entirely anthropogenic. And by doing that, and by comparing it to changes in CO2, his method yielded an ECS estimate of, wait for it, 2 degrees Celsius, yet again. In the newsletter, we also note that in the upside-down world of climate science, where every bad thing is caused by climate change and there's a voracious need for weather disasters to prove just how bad things are getting, nothing cheers up the activists like a large catastrophic hurricane or two. The more homes get knocked over and the more fatalities there are, the better. And if you can tally up at least a billion dollars in damages, then it's truly an occasion for celebration. But, as Roger Pilkey Jr. notes, the 2023 U.S. hurricane season came and went, and there was only one measly hurricane making landfall, despite forecasts of many more. So, please do spare a thought for the poor alarmists whose hopes for catastrophe were dashed once again. Finally, in the newsletter, we end from the CO2Science.org archive as usual with a study on Caribbean tropical cyclone activity from 1900 to 2008 during a time of supposedly unprecedented global warming, which found that ocean currents had such a large impact on storm frequency that there was little or nothing left to blame on CO2. Bummer. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and I know a desert mirage when I see one.